Hi, folks. Those of you who don't listen to The Gaily Prophet or follow us on Instagram may not know that Jesse recently dramatically injured her knee in a truly spectacular fashion. It's a kind of injury that doctors who have been doing this for a long time have only seen once in their entire careers. And because Jesse was in the process of transitioning from uh, office work to carpentry when this happened, she is currently unemployed. Carpentry is obviously off the table probably forever. So what we are doing currently is working very, very hard to make Hashtag Ruthless Jesse's full-time gig financially sustainable, which looks like getting to the point where she and I are both making $40,000 a year, obviously with the priority of her making $40,000 a year. We are working really hard to get our Patreon income to $6,666 a month, which is the amount that we will need to hit in order for both of us to be making that. Um, if we can get to somewhere around 4500 Jesse will be making that, you know, $3,333 a month, and I will continue to be making the amount that I have been making, which is around $1,200 a month. Um, so to make that easier for all of you, I did add some new tiers to our Patreon. So you can now pledge at the $3, $7, $13, $21, $3, $3 a month levels. Right now, we're still around uh, $4,000 away from our goal, but we are getting ever closer, and we are so grateful to all of you who are helping us get close to that goal. As you know, navigating the American healthcare system is terrifying and stressful, and having the financial aspect of that be lessened by all of your support is hugely helpful. So just enormous thanks from both Jesse and myself to all of you who have pledged and all of you who are going to pledge. Uh, if you want to do that, you can join us at patreon.com slash the Gailey Prophet. And uh, yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. (laughs) I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter 16, 17, and 18 of Gayward Son. Chapter 16. Uh, Baz cannot go any longer without blood, so he goes out behind the mall to summon some cats to eat and gets back into the restaurant just in time for desserts. After some ridiculous hunting cheesecake puts them all in the food coma, they go to a motel and crash, and Baz ruminates on him and Simon before they do not, in fact, share a bed. Uh, Chapter 17. Simon is freezing on the couch and thinking about how much he cares for Baz and how clueless Simon was to his attraction in Carry On versus now, where it's pretty awkward because neither of them seem to know how to say what they need to say to each other. Bastille kisses Simon on the cheek goodnight, though. Cue crying from me. Mm-hmm. And then chapter 18, we actually go back to Agatha, who was uh, really over this shitty cult <laughs> retreat. 
and has spent the first day hanging out in her hanging out in her and Ginger's room. Ginger comes back in the middle of the night from fucking around with her shitty boyfriend, and Agatha once again tries to talk some sense into her about why exactly these rich tech bros want her to level up in their cult. Uh, Ginger isn't having it and lets her know that Brayden was in fact impressed by her, but Agatha's dated a chosen one, so some rich dude is whack in comparison. Brayden does find her the next day because of course, and Agatha calls him out on what she thinks is going on, mainly grooming young broke women in a weird sex cult. They end up arguing about how special Ginger is, and Brayden ends up talking about how special Agatha is, which Agatha knows feels weird, but... I mean, he does think that she's special and not just because she's hot. And well, he's also like conventionally attractive. So she agrees to go on a walk around this compound. I mean, house. (laughs) I mean, land with him. Yup. And also we're spoiling everything. The rest of the series. And with that, we're going to enter... Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, I just want to start this off with people who have cats. Keep your cats indoors for a variety of reasons. <laughs> so they don't get eaten by vampires. So they don't get eaten by vampires. <laughs> so they don't get run over by cars. So they don't destroy the local bird population and disrupt the ecosystem. Um, so they live longer. Um, all great reasons to keep keep your cats indoors. Um, not all of these cats Baz are eating are just feral cats. So definitely, that's all. I have almost nothing here this <laughs> week. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, but my first thing is just that I looked up the cheesecakes that they are eating, and I would like to describe them. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the ultimate is a red velvet cheesecake with white chocolate. It just says topped with white chocolate. I'm not sure what that means. Not the icing. Maybe it's like a Maybe it's layer. drizzled. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, the Extreme has an Oreo crust and then cheesecake and then an Oreo mousse and then chocolate icing. And the Outrageous, which seems to have been retired, it's no longer on the menu, is chocolate cake, brownie bits, chocolate chips, and coconut and pecan. So like almost like a German, like a German chocolate cake, but also with like a cheesecake shoved in it. I guess so. I I read um, someone's blog where they rated all of the cheesecakes. Um, which I was very excited about, but they didn't have the ultimate on there. So I don't know if the ultimate wasn't around, but like the outrageous was, maybe it replaced it. I don't know. Anyway, so I can't tell you where the ultimate landed on this. I can tell you that the outrageous was last. It was the worst one. They were like, this is too many things. And is it, is it the one with the Oreos in it or the one with the... The retired one. So the okay. chocolate cake, brownies, chocolate chips, coconut pecan. They were like... This is just too much information, like too many flavors. <laughs> I, I don't even know what's happening in my mouth. I feel like I found a Thrillist, because I also looked this up. I feel like I found a Thrillist article that was like Cheesecake Factory Cheesecakes ranked. And I think they had a bunch of the cheesecakes that were just basically cheesecake in like cheesecake within a cake as like mostly too much in general. Mm-hmm. 
Um, especially about the Oreo one where it's like, Oreo cookies are good because of the cream filling and they're crunchy. And this sort of just muddles the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, not, that's not the word that they use, but essentially it is the word that they use. So when I looked at also had the uh, the Oreo one at number like nine out of 13 from worst to best. So mm. they were like, you shouldn't be able to go wrong with Oreos. And yet somehow they did. So that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where did the ultimate rank on the list that you looked at? Is that the one the... The red velvet. It was, it was, it was, I think it was up there just because the person okay. was like, you can't go wrong with red velvet. So Yeah. And it sounds very straightforward, which I think often is better, you know? Okay. So... Sort of along this vein, uh, Bass complains that the host, that the host, the hospital, Jesus, that the hotel soap smells like marshmallows. And I want to say, I wish I had encountered marshmallow scented soap in a hotel. Cause there's always that like really gross, like artificial floral. And it's just always bad. It just always is just like, please give me marshmallow, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a unscented kind of guy <laughs> yeah anyway i think it's her t- oh you, you say you don't have much in this section right but did you have anything i just have one more thing this the f- <laughs> the fact the fact that they have a sing-along just kills me i think that is the funniest fucking thing in the entire world yes it feels very culty to me but Yes, but, like, this cult, it feels so, like, summer campy for, like, the vibe of the rest of this. It's so out of sync with everything else that they're doing that I, it just, like, it is fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. I do have to agree with Agatha that I think if I had to listen to people just singing Everyone Wants to Rule the World and then Queens Who Wants to Live Forever, like alternatingly or like over and over again i'd be like i need to leave right now i'm just i'm just gonna start walking i don't even care (laughs) this is is too much this is too much for me yeah you really only get to sing a song one time at a sing-along and then you have to sing a different song i think that's agreed upon yeah um i just want to point out that uh, the scene in the hotel room sounds so fucking awkward like Penny's just like crying in bed and everyone and Baz and Simon are just like, yep, that's happening. And then they're just like, of course, not talking to one another. They're just like, we'll just sleep in separate areas of this like probably gross hotel room. And I'm like, oh my God, just like the sheer awkwardness of what is happening. I'm like, yep. Yep. Yeah. It must feel like the, the tension in that room, the amount of sources that it has like multiple sources per individual in the room. It must be so rough. I can't believe anyone managed to get any sleep in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like even just reading it, I'm like, oh, I feel like I've been on like trips with friends when I when I was like in my like twenties that were like this. And I'm just like, oh, that feeling of being like I'm trapped. I know. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> afford to do anything about it. Yep. Oh, geez. Oof. Yeah. Go take advantage of the uh giant size hot water heaters that hotels have and just take the longest shower and hope everyone's asleep by the time you come out yeah for sure oh man yeah uh so i feel like if you're in a convertible all day you should probably i mean i don't know i'm not a shower every day kind of person but i'm kind of like that sounds kind of like you're gonna be dusty at least yeah i 
think Simon and Penny are also not shower everyday people. Actually, I don't know. Simon talked about showering a lot in the last book, but at this point, the level of depression he's at, never mind. I think he probably has fallen off on his showering. Oh, yeah. No, this, he's definitely at the like part of the depression where you're just like, personal hygiene. Yeah. Will someone remind me, maybe? (laughs) Okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Baz is definitely a shower everyday kind of dude. Yeah, totally. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with either. I mean, the depression dirtbaggery is also, it's just not great because you're sad, but. Right. Uh, my last thing is just the the thing about there being two dudes who went to space at this party. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, those are not the kind of dudes you want to be in this weird cult where the doors don't lock. I'm like, oh. That's like Elon Musk types. And I'm like, no. Yeah. If they're not from NASA, it's like a really bad red flag if someone has been to space. Yeah. <laughs> what is this timeline? <laughs> I'm sorry. The fact that I can like say that and it's like, <laughs> that feels so true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We are. We're just, we're just in the worst. We're in the worst timeline. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, I want to start with Baz, who is just like the softest soft boy in these chapters. And I just love him. And I don't know, the fact that he like comes into the restaurant, he sees Simon and Penny sitting together, and it literally, he says to us, I feel flushed with warm feelings towards them. Like, he's got these friends, and he, like, loves them, and he feels rooted, I think, in a way that he never felt with Dex and shit. I forgot his cousin's names. Yeah. Neal and... Yeah. Dev. That's it. And he's just, like, so happy, even though everything is shit. Like, Penny is so sad, and, like, him and Simon are just, like, a mess, and he's just like, my my people, I love them so much. Yeah, and it's also just... It's also... I also wonder if part of that is because, like, he had to, like, go out in an emergency, like, eat nine cats. And it's not going to be, like, awkward or weird to be like, where have you been for the past, like, 20 minutes? It's going to be like, oh, okay. Yep. Well, I hope you feel better now that you've eaten, you know? Yep. So, and he does. <laughs> he does, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know. Besides him and Simon's ginormous communication issue, I mean, they're, he's like, living this life without secrets for the first time you know with other people yeah that's true and other people who are not his like weird you know we know but we won't talk about it family because i think they just made it worse yeah i also just really love him turning into the mom friend i think he's always kind of the mom friend uh which you know comes with capricorn territory but like (laughs) he remind him reminding penny to charge her phone just felt very tender to me and this kiss that he gives Simon. I know. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just like, just say the words that are in your heart to one another. <laughs> I know. It's rough, but I think that's for 
later. Um, do you have stuff about Baz here? I don't. Okay. Who do you have? I just want to talk about Agatha for okay. just that. I just want to reiterate what an understanding friend Agatha is being to Ginger. Because, like, the more, the, the as the time passes, the more just deeply unsafe all of this stuff feels mm. to Agatha. And also, I think, as for me as a reader. And Ginger's just totally. like, no, they're going to, like, level me up. This is going to be great. And it's like, but okay, but are you sure? Because, like, I know. I know that I'm, I'm, like, your friend. But I don't know about these rich dudes, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm just like... Agatha is just such a good friend. She is. And she's doing such a good job of like expressing her concern and backing off before Ginger starts getting super defensive, which is important, I think, because if she pushed it too hard, she would just lose Ginger, you know, and she wants to help her not get pulled into this cult, despite Ginger's very enthusiastic desire to get pulled into this cult. Yeah, she is. She is going for this cult gung ho, which I mean... I've never been in a cult, but the fact that there are so many cults and people, I mean, there must be something about being in a cult that like feels good. You know? I guess so. Yeah. Also, Agatha is just continuing to be just the best. Like my love for her grows every minute that I read about her. Um. When Ginger's like, Brayden said that you have a singular energy, and Agatha says, Ginger, that just means blonde. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, I, it was actually kind of refreshing because, like, the Simon and Bass chapters, like, it's, like, it's mostly just feelings and not, Mm -hmm. like, plot. And then with Agatha, like, things are happening, it's actually, like, a really nice to be, like, back with Agatha to be, like, you're in danger, girl, but also... You were still you were still bringing your A game to yeah. like all of this, and I'm just like yes. The part at the end where she's talking to Brayden and he's being so intense, and it describes he has locked eyes with her and will not break eye contact, and Agatha just fucking eats a cupcake while looking this man dead in the eyes for like an extended period of time is. <laughs> What a power move, honestly. Right? Just incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, it's like, take notes, everyone, because this is absolutely how you should handle this situation. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. If you can't find a cupcake, grab some leaves off the nearest plant, honestly. (laughs) Just like anything actually even more can you just imagine you're like intense looking at someone's eye and then you just like reach up and like grab a pine cone you're just chewing it and you're just don't just like looking up dead in the face wow yeah they should teach that in self-defense classes honestly (laughs) Uh, i can't believe that brayden is just like still like let, let me walk you around the grounds like wow dude but he has an agenda, I guess. Yeah, he is very singular on his agenda. So yeah. I don't think there is anything, unfortunately, that Agatha could have done to, like, dissuade him. No, totally. Operation Steal Agatha's Magic is in yeah. full effect. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to mention, like, yeah, he's just, now that he knows, 
that she's the magical person in the room. Yeah. Uh oh, smile. Did you have other Agatha notes? No. Okay, so my last Agatha note is that this conversation with Gender about the color of Agatha's aura. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, Brayden's aura is golden. And Agatha's like, you said mine was golden. And Ginger's like, it's a different golden. And, you know, I think it'd be really easy to dismiss Ginger's like aura reading as being like woo-woo bullshit. But I just wanted to say that the dryad in The Wavering Wood also said that Agatha was the golden girl. That her like essence was gold. And um, I feel like that that lends some credibility to Ginger's aura reading abilities. Yeah. And I think that makes sense to me, considering that the whole point of this cult is to be vampires. And this guy and Brayden's really excited to have like Agatha, who's like a practiced, educated witch, but it, it would make sense that they, him and his cult would have gone out of their way to look for other vaguely magical-ish people. So it would make sense that they would go out and look for young, broke girls who also have some sort of magical talent, even if, you know, that maybe aren't aware that what they can do is real magic. Right. You know? Or like, I guess that's not how I want to say it, but they don't have necessarily the same awareness that Agatha has of being a mage you know so right and they're all kind of under maybe unaware of like the actual power of what they can do mm-hmm. but th- but Braden knows and wants to exploit them right yeah that makes perfect sense about like what josh is doing with ginger yeah 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 and like agatha mentions and we could guess we talk about this in politics but there are other girls here but there's not a lot of them and it's like right. that would make sense if you're only looking for magical-ish young women who are impressionable enough and vulnerable enough to go off with these, like, rich tech bros. Right. You know? Yep. Um, okay, so I had a little bit about Simon here. Um, yeah, so about this part where he's reflecting back on, you know, how he realizes now that he had feelings for Baz for a really long time, but but didn't know it at the time. And I think yeah. it's really lovely. Yeah, it is. It's a really nice callback, obviously, to all of Carry On, but also just really painful where it's like, okay, cool. So you got what you wanted and you're kind of like, oh, fuck, now what? Mm. And I'm like, tell Baz how you feel. Yeah. So I really, really love the line where he's like, you know, I didn't know how I felt. I thought about him all the time. And then it says, I thought I was just lonely. I thought I was hungry. I thought I was bored. Just like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's such a accurate description. Yeah. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Let's talk about this fucking cult. All right. So, you know, Agatha's kind of like, in her mind, putting the pieces together of just like, the sort of overt, gross sexism of this cult of like a bunch of like, rich, older bros and all these like, young, poor 
beautiful women mm-hmm. and her just kind of like throwing it in his face to be like i know what's going on here and mm-hmm. and honestly this sounds like i think i mentioned this before like it's going to be a true crime story because the mm. We find out that the doors don't lock, which Agatha's like, I'm deeply uncomfortable about this because of this humdrum-related reason. And I'm like, no, you should be a little comfortable because you don't know these dudes. Right, what the totally. Fuck? Yeah. Yeah, and like just, and it, it just, it feels just so, of course, because it just feels like a thing that's like, oh yeah, terrible rich bros do this all the time, it feels like, which is invite young women to their mansions and it's like are you gonna keep them here like what the fuck it's just oh yeah and i mean what inevitably ends up happening is also very gross but it's just it just still very much feels like a recipe for disaster for these young women who are essentially trapped here yeah totally yeah i mean they do end up like kidnapping agatha right like they yeah take her to the like research wing right yeah she's like in a lab and they have her like drugged and like yeah restrained in a bed so they could extract her magic which lol good luck they're just trying to like uh map her dna right so that they can find where the magic lives so that they can alter their own genome i think i don't remember since this is only my second time reading this book (laughs) yeah pretty sure that's their objective some like very gross medical violation yeah absolutely so yeah and yeah just so this this whole setup just screams like you want something from these young women and you're gonna get it if they are willing or not you know right exactly uh yeah and i also like we see how good brayden is at this and this conversation with agatha where like she is calling him out on this and he just the way that he manipulates the conversation so that suddenly Agatha is in the defensive position and is like basically being accused of like not valuing her friend who she values very very deeply and she she can't easily just like get back to the point of the argument without saying like this isn't what we're talking about we were discussing the fact that and it's so skillful and so fucked up and it is really um gross and i don't like it yeah no it is very it's very like i'm skilled at manipulating people in a way that's like oh yeah and then i mean in the end she just end up being like oh yeah i'll go off alone with you somewhere and i'm like no don't go to a second location <laughs> yeah i feel like that's what agatha like I don't even think she's, like, charmed by him necessarily so much as she's like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? So, like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Which also just sucks. Right, as opposed to her just being like, actually, fuck off. I'm going to go eat this cupcake in my room, you know? Right. So, yeah, this, all of this just screams terribleness, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um... Okay, yeah, so my the only other thing that I had here is just about Simon. You know, he's holding all of the blame for his inability to relate to Baz in the way that he wants to be able to, just, like, as a personal failing, as opposed to being able to, like, understand that it's rooted in his trauma history. 
like he says i'm fucking everything up by being too fucked up which is just a terrible thing to hear someone feel about themselves you know yeah and then in this scene where we get this like flashback to him and baz having this conversation where baz is like i thought you wanted this and simon says to us and i did and then i didn't and he doesn't understand you know what he's going through or why he's going through it and he's like when i think about being touched it makes me want to run away you can't hide from someone who's kissing you and it just makes me like really sad and also again really frustrated with his therapist for the way that she was trying to handle what he's going through because i think that it was really inappropriate yeah and especially where it's sort of like like i think it's a thing where like simon is upset and his brain's sort of on like flight or flight mode and like he's probably literally unable to communicate what is happening because he's in this like sort of panicked state Mm -hmm. and that should have been like really the thing to start working on in therapy or is that well i don't know because it definitely i guess i mean it's really this just feels like yeah right like such a like intense trauma response that i feel like he doesn't even realize that it's a trauma response you know totally yeah i don't think he knows why he's dealing with this yeah and he can't and he like he doesn't have the skills to sort of like address that it's hard for him to have like whatever kind of conversation when he's like in this sort of state you know and like how is he supposed to even well no that's not what i want to say it's like he's upset about the conversation but also he's like just upset because his body's like we are in danger and it's like right. oh well, no you know right yeah yeah it made me again be like i really want i really want simon to get dbt therapy because I just think it's really inappropriate for his therapist to have been like, you know, let's just like talk through this. I actually, so before I read this chapter for talking about it today, I saw a TikTok that like blew my entire mind that was talking about how CBT therapy in general is absolutely the wrong therapy for people with complex PTSD because CBT is focused on like the now so like what are you going through now and like what are your unhealthy coping mechanisms now and how do we address those coping mechanisms so you like talk about what the root of those are but it's not interested in like oh, that trauma is like an ongoing thing in your body, even if it's not an ongoing thing in your life. And so like, if you're going to take a coping mechanism away, you have to replace it with something else. And it doesn't account for flooding, which is like, when you start looking at that trauma, and like, it all comes up, because it's still very present when you're dealing with CPTSD. And so like, it's really fucked up that CBT is used so frequently for folks who have that kind of complex trauma history, which was like mind blowing for me because I remember like sitting in offices with therapists who were like very frustrated with my ability to like deadpan talk about all of this trauma, but like not feel what I was feeling in the moment and like not, they're like, we're never going to get anywhere. And I was like, well, 
100% of the time I am holding up like lit my exact words to describe it. It was like, there's a brick wall that I have created behind, which is just like an ocean of water. And if I let go at all, the entire wall is going to fall. This is before I knew that flooding existed or like any of these words. I was just like, this is what it feels like. I, and they were like, well, like, what if we let go a little? And basically I was like, time for me to find a new therapist. Like every time we got to that point, cause I was like, if we, if I let go a little, I will not be able to go to work. I will not be able to feed myself. I will not be able to like do anything. It will destroy me and was basically made to feel like I was being dramatic. And now many years later, I'm like, oh, I was just correct. Like that just was true. Yeah, that is very painfully familiar because I feel like, I mean, I was a little bit, I was a little bit like, it was more just kind of like, couldn't like actually articulate my trauma because I would just be sobbing and it's like, you know, and just like CBT, I was just, I was always kind of like, yeah, there'd always be a wall where I'm like, I actually don't think that this is working. This is like helping me move forward. Yeah. So... And yeah, and then whenever I like have a therapist where it's like, this is clearly what they're about. It's like, no, I need to deal with how like, you know, if I have an argument with my wife, I should start sobbing uncontrollably, even though that's like not at all related to like the the like correct emotional level of like what we're arguing about. Right. You know? Yeah. And I feel like honestly, learning more about how to deal with that via like Instagram and TikTok than like several years of, of therapy is like, hmm. Yeah, I need some trauma-informed therapy things. Yep, totally. Yeah. So yeah, I also deeply understand Simon's, Simon's feelings. And I'm it's like, oh, my baby. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought the timing was, like, really interesting. Because it was like, I saw that. I was like, holy shit. And then I read this and was like, yep. I feel like now I'm even more frustrated with Simon's therapist. Because you can't just be like, let's like talk it through. You have to understand that this kid slayed a dragon when he was 11. Like yeah, the shit that he has been through. Yeah. He had to like kill his mentor like a month and a half ago. Yeah. So I want Simon to get some DBT. I want him to just like learn how to look at his emotions and like, his coping mechanisms and learn why they why they're there and not even fucking try to do anything about them yet just be able to see them and be like that exists you know one thing at a time (laughs) yeah yeah i want simon which i guess is part of this journey is to like have the childhood that he wanted and like it's like i know you're 18 you're out of school but fuck it do you want to eat a whole fucking ice cream cake? You fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. With party hats and like pin and tail on donkey, fucking do it. I don't give a fuck. Buy yourself a cute stuffed animal. Whatever. Yep. You know? Okay. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just some deep, just some, just, just some, uh, just some shadow work, you know? We'll bet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <sighs> I'm just glad we could laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast has just become therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god, yep. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Projecting with Jesse and Mark. <laughs> uh, in which Simon is really just 
just Davos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Agatha also needs therapy. And I think part of what clued me off is her being like, yeah, I can't sleep in an unlocked room after that thing happened with the humdrum. And I'm like, I respect that. But I'm just like, that's like a good thing you should work out in therapy, Agatha. Um, I think maybe you have a lot of uh, trauma that you're also not looking at because you think maybe you're fine and you're past it. Like, I don't know if you are. Definitely. Yeah, I think Agatha has always sort of distanced herself from her emotions, but clearly she's she's dealing with a lot. And how could she not be dealing? Like the the things that she went through, even just as like, you know, collateral damage, quote unquote, to Simon's chosen one life yeah. is enough to fuck anybody up for like ever, you know? Yeah, and the fact that she says it just so matter-of-factly, it's like, yeah, ever since there was a armadillo, and I'm like, you say that real casual, but that probably was really shitty. Yeah. The number of times in the last book that she brought up being trapped at a bottom of a well that was rapidly filling with water, like, you're like, oh, you have recurring nightmares about that. Yeah, that is literal, that is literal nightmare fuel. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Like, what? No. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, Agatha, you should really talk to someone about that mm-hmm. <laughs> one, one day. Uh, I know hanging out with ghosts is probably good therapy, but I think actual therapy is also good therapy. <laughs> well, if you could find someone that's trauma-informed and not just give, give you CPT. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think most trauma-informed therapy is still CBT, but it's trauma-informed CBT, which is fine. You know, it's a special branch. I mm-hmm. was texting with theo about it earlier to make sure i had all my terms right so all right excellent caught in a landslide. welcome to caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff so i actually only have one thing here also <laughs> it's about baz and simon god their relationship is so hard and specifically when Baz is like, I want to be your terrible boyfriend, Snow said, and I couldn't wait for it. Maybe I should have taken him at his word. I know. I know. I know. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just deeply upset by all of this. <laughs> it's so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. I... It just makes me so sad. Um, Also, the part where that he's talking about the only thing that they're good at is standing uncomfortably in the same space, weaving through like a room full of elephants or something like that. I just wish that, I don't know. I mean, I understand why they can't communicate, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I wish that they like at least had like oh we can be comfortable in like the weirdness that we're in right now or something yeah or like i don't know like write it write it down i don't i don't know <laughs> like i know yeah we sure do have a whole book of it <laughs> yep. we sure do uh
welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Did you find any sexy stuff? There's no sexy stuff. I do really, I mean, the forehead kiss is very sweet. It's not very sexy, but I'm like, no. So no, there is nothing sexy in this chapter. <laughs> All right. But we do have a kiss kill improvise here. We do have a kiss kill improvise. Great. All right. And you've done some of the work for me because the Kiss Kill Improvise is about the ultimate outrageous and extreme cheesecake. <laughs> excellent. 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 All right. Let me scroll up to my descriptions of each one. <clears throat> oh, weird. This is going to be harder than I thought. Okay. So... Despite it apparently being underwhelming, I think I'm going to kiss the extreme just because Oreos are delicious and anything with Oreos in it is probably still going to be like pretty all right. Uh, I will improvise with the outrageous that has too many things in, but because we're improvising, I could deconstruct it. I could you know, eat each of the pieces individually or turn it into something else. Because all of the individual components seem like pretty all right. Mm-hmm. And I detest white chocolate. So the ultimate is going to have to be killed. All right. That was a good, that was a good, uh, that was a good choices. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, we have a new spell in this chapter. <laughs> um, which is uh, here, Kitty Kitty, which works for Bass. Um, I feel this is a magical spell that like works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and is my and is my super my my hilarious superpower, which is an ability to get cats to come to me. That's an amazing superpower. Yeah, I feel like one time I freaked Nicole out like in a good way. We were like, we had like an Airbnb in a like neighborhood in Toronto, and we were like maybe like six or eight blocks from the metro or the subway or whatever. And so we'd like what you know walk back and forth from our Airbnb, and this like neighborhood had a bunch of indoor outdoor cats so every time we do like walk up and down the street i'd be like oh look at this cat and it calls like where and then the cat would come out of the bushes that i had seen and be like oh and it's like oh let me pet you and she's just like what the fuck <laughs> so that's awesome yeah so i appreciate this spell even though <laughs> as uses it to eat them but you know he is an apex predator so what are you gonna do it's true just be cats indoors <laughs> Um, follow-up question to the Here Kitty Kitty spell that I have is, it feels to me like the fact that Baz eats specifically nine cats means that if you eat a cat, you have to eat nine of them. Like, Interesting. It's tied to the nine lives thing in some, like, deep magical way where it would be some sort of, like, bad magical repercussion would happen were you to eat, like anywhere less than or more than nine cats maybe it attracts specifically nine cats to you maybe yeah i don't know does that feel true 
I like it. Let's All right. it, it does feel true. I like weird magic, like quirky magic laws, so I'm hoping mm. that, that it's true, even though I definitely don't want anyone eating nine cats. But <laughs> anyway, your turn, I think. Yeah, I have one I have one more thing. Which is of course about harmadillos. Yes. <laughs> which what a good pun. Yes. <laughs> I know, it's so good. Oh, I have it li- I have harmadillos literally in all caps. It just made me <laughs> laugh so much. Also, I have no idea what a harmadillo would look like, but I hope it's like they have like spikes or talons or something. Yeah. But look basically like a giant armadillo still. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're like toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And probably native to the US because armadillos are native to the US and I think parts of Mexico. Yeah, that sounds right. Funny little desert creatures. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely the humdrum imported that harmadillo from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I I think so that's my last thing too. Uh and I just wanted to say I think we should we should close on the fact that Penny's like, oh, it's in a, like the humdrum's importing invasive species. And Simon <laughs> says, its invading days are over as he disposes <laughs> of its body. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's that is kind of a like very like Buffy-ish feeling. <laughs> totally. Like, just, yes. That like dialogue quickness and you're just like top notch, Rainbow Row. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just so good. I know. Uh yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. And before we do all of our outro stuff including telling you what we're going to read next time i want to say thank you to caitlin 315 and oises for your recent reviews that you left because they were wonderful and oises i'm not sure if i'm saying that how i should be but your review made both me and jesse have all the feelings but also i posted it to our instagram story so you also gave a ton of other people feelings because lots of people cry reacted to that story it was very very moving thank you so much yeah thank you for letting us know it was very much like oh my god yeah um yes so with that next time we will be reading chapters 19 and 20 this podcast is a creation of hashtag ruthless productions and if you like it you should check out our other podcast the gaily prophet where we talk about harry potter and potentially check us out on Patreon for our Buffy podcast, We Are the Gayers. You can find us on the internet on Twitter and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. Uh, you can check out our website where you, you can listen to this and The Gaily Prophet on our website. You can give us a donation. You can check out our shop. We have very cool merch, including a carry-on sticker sheet and... You could also uh, drop us a message on our website. Like, what do we? What do I talk about in this section? <laughs> Check us out at uh, hashtagruthless.com. Yep. Um, if you want to find me between episodes, you can follow me on Instagram at larkmalachi or go to my website, which is larkmalachi.com. And both of those are great ways to look into the tarot deck that I am currently kickstarting. Um, but you can also just look in the show notes for that because it's right there. Little link. Clickety click. Um, you can check me out on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit, or you can 
check out my Instagram at live from Detroit. All right. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scottamoosh!